0: explain now of course you know this is going to be you know somewhat of an anti-calvinist type of sermon but really what uh what drove me and what was the motivator the influencer of 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 preaching this sermon It's just I can recall so many times throughout my life having conversations with saved believers, independent Baptists, independent fundamental Baptists who are extremely confused about this topic. They know that there's free will. They know that God died for the sins of the whole world, that Jesus died for for everyone's sin, that salvation is offered to everyone. But they have a big time problem explaining election. They have a big time problem explaining what does it actually mean when the Bible says predestination. What does it mean to be predestined? Because these words are found in the Bible. They are biblical words. So this is going to be an extremely uh, simple sermon this evening. I'm going to give you a very simple, concise, and easy to understand uh, answer on how to explain, because that's what I want you to be able to do, how to explain the subject of predestination and election. We're going to be defining all of these terms. 1 Peter chapter number 3 verse number 15 says this, "But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope" that is in you with meekness and fear." So we as Christians, we should be able to answer these questions. We should be prepared enough. We should be equipped that when people are are maybe struggling with this, newer Christians, whoever it may be, we should be able to explain what does the Bible mean when it talks about predestination? What does it mean when it talks about election? We should have a sound, solid answer for these things. We should be able to, you know, if if anybody's maybe having uh, worries or doubt in their hearts, we should be able to, as a brother in Christ, give them a strong answer to where we can sway all of that away, where they feel comfortable and at peace with the Word of God and where everything is consistent for them and makes sense. So I want to begin here in Isaiah chapter number 42. I want to define the word elect for you. In the very beginning, what does the word elect mean? Isaiah chapter number 42, verse number 1 says this, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Turn to Matthew chapter number 12. Matthew chapter number 12. This is quoted in the New Testament. Of course, it's a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ. We learn a little bit here, just as we always do when comparing quotations with one another. Matthew chapter number 12, verse number um, 18 says this. Behold, my servant... Whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. So notice in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1, it said, Behold my servant, whom I uphold mine elect. Then we compare that to Matthew chapter number 12 verse number 18 and the Bible says Behold my servant whom I have chosen. The definition of the word elect is just to choose. If you look this up in a modern dictionary it will tell you the exact same thing. But when we come to the Bible sometimes it can have a little bit of a different slant. So it's good to make sure from the Bible. What is the Bible's definition, right? It, what does elect mean? It means to choose. So that is going to be the first thing I want you to keep in your mind. Very simple. What is the definition of elect? Choose. Now, I want, you to, I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter number 2. I want to also, this is point number 2, from those two verses that we were at just a moment ago. This is extremely important. Who was the elect in that verse in for, chapter uh, uh, 42 of Isaiah? Who was the elect? Who was the chosen? It was Christ, wasn't it? He said, Mine elect. We got to uh, Matthew chapter number 12. We see it quoted again. And what does it say? It says, "My chosen, right? Your first him as his chosen." So according to the Bible, if we're going to get a, a dictionary def- or a, a Bible definition of who is the chosen, who is the elect? who does the Bible identify as the elect, or who does the Bible identify as the chosen? The Lord Jesus Christ is the chosen. The Lord Jesus Christ is the elect. The Bible will talk about the chosen seed, right? They're wait- we, we will even use this type of language because we, of course, understand this. We are waiting, waiting for the chosen seed. Who is the chosen seed? It's the Messiah. Let me ask you this question. What does Messiah mean? What does the word Messiah mean? Anointed. It means anointed one. It means chosen. Anointed means to be chosen. That's the same thing. Or ordained. When someone is ordained, the definition, according to the Bible, of ordained is chosen. And the Messiah, Christ, those are the same words. What the word Messiah or what the word Christ means is chosen. That he is the chosen one, we will refer to him as. So do you know who the elect is? Who actually is the elect or who actually is the chosen? It's Christ. Christ is the chosen one. You know, I'm not the Messiah. You're not the Christ, right? You're not the chosen one. You're not the elect one, right? The elect one or the chosen one is Christ according to the Bible. This is going to be a very, very simple sermon, but I hope that it will be profound for you. So, 1 Peter chapter number 2, we're going to see this again, and we're actually going to see it somewhat contrasted with us ourselves. 1 Peter chapter number 2, in the general epistles, you'll find the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, look at verse 6. The Bible says this, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. And he says this, elect precious. And then it goes on and says, "...and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded." So, notice who is the elect or who is the chosen? It's the Christ. It is Jesus. Jesus is the elect. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the chosen one. He is the seed of Abraham that was chosen. He's the Messiah. Now, I also want you to notice that there's a contrast made between those that believe on him and then him. Now, what is he in this verse? He's the chief cornerstone, isn't he? Right? What else is he referred to as? The elect. And then there are these people over here that are doing what? That are believing on him. So notice there is, right here, there is a distinction between the Christ, who is the elect, the chosen one, and then those that are putting their faith in him. You notice that? That's important to remember. I want you to go to Romans chapter number 11, verse number 5. So who is, who is the elect or who is the chosen one? It is Christ. Christ is the chosen one. Christ is the elect. The purpose that Jesus came to this earth was to redeem us. That was the whole reason why Christ came to this earth was so that he was able to redeem us. Now, God didn't choose you know, himself to be the chosen one just so that he could be the chosen of himself, right? That wasn't the purpose. Everything that Christ went through and the reason why he came here was for us, the Bible says. You know, he came here to die for us on the cross, right? He came to give his life a ransom for many. That was the reason why he came. So he came so that we could also be a part of you know, that elect or that chosen of God. But Christ is the chosen. Christ is the elect. That's very important to understand. Now, we, <clears throat> we can have the opportunity of being the elect. We uh, can have the opportunity of being the elect. But we need to understand this. This is very important. That we are not inherently the elect. We are not inherently... Let me ask you this question. Are you inherently a child of God? No, you're not inherently a child of God. That's not something that you are inherently or that's not something that you deserve and that's not something that you have earned in your own merit, is it? You have been adopted into God's family and you became a child of God, right? So it's not something by your own merit. Well, you can also be the elect. You can also be the chosen, but it's not by your own merit. See, Christ deserved it. Christ came and he earned the position, and he was, you know, he was proud of him, and he, you know, of course, uh, uh, you know, he heard the voice from heaven saying, you know, "Thou art my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased," which is very closely related to that Isaiah fourteen, right? And this and that's how they knew this is the Messiah. This was God of the flesh. He he lived that perfect sinless life. That was the chosen one, the elect one for that job, right? well we can also be elected we can also be chosen but it's not by our own merit we can be elected by grace and that's what grace means it means that we are given something that we do not deserve we are given something that is not of our own merit we are given something by mercy so that's very important so what does it mean the election of grace that means that you're chosen but you don't really deserve it you're chosen but you don't really you haven't really earned it or it's not really yours i want you to think about that It's not really something that you inherently have deserved, right? Christ deserved it and not you. I want you to look at that with me in Romans chapter number 11, verse number 5. The Bible says this, Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. So what is the election by? It is an election of grace. So when we are elected, we are elected by grace. The next thing that I want to answer for you is this. Who has the opportunity to become the elect or to become the chosen? Go to Matthew chapter 20. I want you to go to Matthew chapter number 20. Matthew chapter number 20. I'm gonna to go to two places myself, so give me just a minute. I'm gonna to read to you from Second Peter chapter number three, verse number nine. The Bible tells us the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. The Bible teaches that God is not willing that any should perish. God desires for all to be saved. God wants everyone to be a part of the elect or to be a part of the chosen. He desires for all to be saved. I had you turn to Matthew chapter number 20. Let me get there myself. Matthew chapter number 20. So Christ is the elect. And the way that we can be the elect And the way that we can be the chosen is by being in Christ. At the moment that we put our faith in Christ, or we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we are put in Christ. So now, do you know what happens to us? We are looked at as being a son of God. Now, is that something that you deserve or something that you earn? It is not something that you deserve. It is not something that you earn. Do you understand now why this would be referred to as election by grace because you didn't deserve this he's actually the elect and that's being imputed unto you well this is the exact same concept he is uh, as being a son of God he is actually the son of God he is actually a child of God but at the moment that you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ We are put in Christ, right? We are, you know, his life is imputed unto us. His righteousness is imputed unto us. God looks at us as if we are his son. That's why he refers to us as the son of God. This is not something that we deserve, and this is all by grace. It's imputed unto us. The the status of being the elect and the status of being the chosen is a status that is imputed unto us, just like sonship is imputed unto us. Who is the true son of God? Jesus Christ. Who is the true elect and the true chosen one? Jesus Christ. So the way that you can become a son of God is by putting your faith in Christ. The way that you can become the elect or that you can become the chosen of God is by putting your faith in Christ. It works exactly the same way. Now, who does who is this offered to and who has the opportunity to become the elect or who, who could become the chosen? will not you look with me at Matthew chapter number 20. Matthew chapter 20 verse 16 it says this So the last shall be first and the first last for many be called but few chosen I want you to go now to Matthew chapter number 22 verse number 14 So notice there that it says many be called but few chosen So who is it actually offered to to become the chosen or to become the elect there it says many, right? That's where we get, you know, uh, so we, we can see the, we'll begin there. It's, it gives us the word many, right? So, of course, uh, uh, many, uh, um, um, Calvinists and many Reformed Baptists, they'll try to use this word many and say, you know, uh, they'll try to like when we speak of this. This is the example that I use. Jesus Christ dying on the cross for the sins of the whole world. Now we believe that he died for the sins of the whole world. When they see the world, the word whole world, or when they see you know that he died for the sins of all, when the Bible used the word all, and it and it uses this language, right, of of being all-inclusive. They will try to argue around, you know, that it's, it all doesn't really mean all. And they love to go to verses like this where it uses the word many. So how would they interpret many? What would they say about many? Who is the many? In their view, many, when it's used, is just those that are, you know, that God has pre-selected or preordained against their will before the foundation of the world. Personally, this individual is going to be saved. Now, that is the the definition uh, from the Reformed theologian of predestination and elect. They believe that God, before the foundation of the world, selected out who is going to go to heaven and who is going to go to hell. It's not based on their decisions. It's not based on any kind of free will of theirs at all. It's based upon who he desires to be saved and who he does not. And I don't know what specifically he's basing this on, but, uh, you know, uh, that's that, it's because that's totally unrighteous. It doesn't make any sense at all, period. But that's the false view of predestination and the false view of election, right? And they'll look at the word many and they'll say, well, many is just referring to uh, the elect. And they would argue that many is different than all. And I'm going to show you that that's not true. I want you to look though here again in Matthew 22. Look at verse 14. For many are called, but few are called. Chosen. Go with me to Romans chapter number five. Romans chapter number five. Now, this actually gives them trouble. That passage there should give them trouble because notice it says, Many are called, but few are chosen. What does it mean to be called? It means to be invited, right? Given the opportunity, right? So, who has the opportunity to be the chosen? Who has the opportunity to be the elect? There it said, Many. But notice that that not all of those that are invited or not all of those that are called are going to be the chosen. So I want you to notice that God extends the invitation to many, but... Only a few is the, is the uh, uh, implication there. Actually become the chosen or actually become the elect. So look with me at Romans chapter number 5. And I want to totally uh, um, you know just dismiss this stupid interpretation of the word many that Calvinists will use here for you. Look at Romans chapter number 5. And I want you to look with me at... <clears throat> Look at verse number, we'll begin in verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Look at verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon, how many? All men to condemnation. So how many, how many men have sinned and how many men will be condemned because of that? All. All men are condemned. Even so. Now what does that mean, even so? Very important. That means in the same way. The same way is what that means. By the righteousness of one, that's talking about Jesus Christ, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. So, Calvinists also have a doctrine that they teach that all men are totally depraved. And they would tell you that all, in this case, we really mean all. We really mean every single man that lives on the earth and that has ever existed, right? So, they would tell you that they, they believe that every single man is condemned and every single man deserves to go to hell. Well, that is what Romans chapter number 5 which verse was that? Verse 18 actually teaches, isn't it? That all men have sinned. And now, we don't believe in total depravity the way that they do, right? We believe that all men are sinners. They could go so far as to say that they don't believe that man is capable to even you know, provide faith to put in the Lord Jesus Christ, that nothing we do can ever even be good, you know, just to a ridiculous, just a, a, a really nonsensical level of, of, you know, of this teaching, right? Of, of sinfulness of man. But right here it tells you this. It says, therefore, as by the offense of one, I'm sorry, I was getting ready to quote verse 19. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Right? So all men are condemned, and then it says, even so. So the same way in which all men are condemned, that all men that have ever lived of mankind are sinners. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. So in the same way that all men have sinned, in that exact same way in in which all men have sinned and and received condemnation? Well, by Jesus Christ's righteousness, By his righteousness, he has offered to all of those same men salvation. He's referring to all of the men that have sinned. So every man that is condemned also has the opportunity of salvation, according to Romans chapter number 5, verse number 18. Even so, that's the important uh, phrase in that particular verse. But not only that, I want you to look at the next verse. Look at verse number 19. This is why I almost accidentally quoted. Uh, For as by one man's disobedience, now watch this, many were made sinners. Notice what it said many were made sinners. But how many is many according to verse 18? All. So notice what it used interchangeable there. Now don't you believe, wouldn't you say that every man that's ever lived is many? Isn't that that many men? This is just a logical fallacy and not understanding how far the definition of many can extend. Many doesn't have to be uh, inclusive or exclusive. It can can include everybody or it could exclude and just speak of the people that are in here. There's many people in here and not speaking of the people that are outside, right? But I can also say (coughs) there are many people that live on this earth talking about everyone all oh, not leaving anybody out there has been many people that have lived throughout history I'm talking about everyone right so it can be inclusive or exclusive either one and in this same passage verse 18 and 19 he uses them interchangeable so when it says many be called but few are chosen do you know what that means everyone do you know do you know who is are called everyone that's offered the free gift the free gift comes upon all men to justification of life who are the many and who is he referring to when he says all men, all of the men that have sinned, even so, so in the same way that every single man is condemned, in the same way that every, every single man or every person, and there is no exception, is sinful, in that same way, Christ has offered to every single man salvation. Everyone has the opportunity of salvation. This is why the Bible over and over again tells us that Christ died for the sins of the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Every single sin that anyone has ever committed, he paid for it on the cross. Everyone. That's why you know, it says that God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. I want you to look with me now at John chapter number 12 verse number 32. So when it says many are called, what is it saying? It's saying everyone. Every single person that has ever lived is called unto salvation. They are invited unto salvation, right? But few are chosen. Few of them actually become the chosen. Few of them actually become the elect. So as I said, look there with me at John chapter number 12, verse number 32. John chapter number 12, verse number 32. The Bible says, and I... If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And that's a perfect picture of salvation. When Jesus is on the cross, do you know what he's doing? He's inviting anyone and everyone to come unto him. I want you to go to Revelation chapter number 22. Revelation chapter number 22. I don't have this other verse in my notes, but I think I know where it is. And I'm going to turn to it. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God... Who is the Savior of all men, and then it says this, especially of those that believe. So he's saying he's the Savior of all men, everyone, but especially of those that believe. Do you know why? Because his saving power has actually been imputed unto them. and He actually has become their Savior. But he is the Savior of all men in the sense that he has done the saving work for everyone. You have to put your faith in Christ, though, in order to be able to receive that imputation, to be able to receive that forgiveness through His blood. Look at Revelation chapter number 22, and look at the invitation to all men. All men are called. Everyone is what that means. Many, yes, that means all. Look at Revelation 22, verse number 17. Jesus speaking, and it says, And the spirit of the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst Come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. So notice, whosoever will. That means whosoever wants to, right? Whosoever wants to or whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. So who can or who has the opportunity to become the elect or to become the chosen? Anyone. Everyone. That's the answer. Everyone has the opportunity to become the elect. I want you to go to Romans chapter number 5, back to Romans chapter number 5. Now I already alluded to this, but who, who uh, becomes the elect? Who is it that becomes the elect? And how do you become the elect? Look at Romans chapter number 5, verse number 1. We saw that it's the election of grace. Look at Romans 5, 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at verse number 2. By whom, referring to Jesus, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. So how do we receive this election by grace? It's by faith. That is, excuse me, the condition. While you're in Romans, go to Romans chapter number 10. It is a conditional election. You are not the elect. You, have, you were not born as the elect. You are not born as the chosen inherently. You don't deserve to be the elect. You don't deserve to be the chosen. Christ is the chosen. Christ is the elect. He's the Messiah. He's the chosen one, right? But we can become the elect. We can become a child of God or become a son of God by the election of grace. We don't deserve it. It's not through our own merit. But by faith, God will cause us to have access into this election of grace. So, Romans chapter number 10, Romans chapter number 10, this repeats or reiterates what the condition is. It says, by whom also, Romans 5, 2, I want to read it to you one more time. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. So it's by faith. Again, Romans 10, Romans chapter number 10, look at verse number 9. Romans chapter number 10, verse number 9, the Bible says that if... Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. So there is a teaching uh, uh, within; it's really a big core part of Reformed theology. You know, they subscribe to tulip, and one of the points is unconditional. Election. So many of the points are just blatantly anti-biblical and blatantly in opposition to the teachings of the Bible. And this is one of them. They claim that there is no condition in order to receive the grace of God. There is no condition in order to become the elect that God just chose based upon nothing that you do at all. And that is completely and 100% false. The Bible says in order to receive the grace of God, in order to become the elect, to become a son of God, we have to put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It tells you in verse number nine that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. The word if indicates that there is a condition. If you do this, then the result is you shall be saved. So notice there that there is a condition and then there is a possible result if you fulfill this condition. Right. And if you do not fulfill this condition, you will not be saved. You will not become the elect. You will not become the chosen. You will not be a child of God. What you have to do is you have to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, by that, you get access into the grace. And this is the election of grace or election by grace. And now you know what you are? You are in Christ. And guess what he is? He's a son of God. So you know what you are? A son of God. Do You know what else he is? He's the chosen one. He is the chosen he is the elect. So do you know what you are now? Now, because he's the elect, you are also the elect. Do you know why you're righteous? Because he's righteous. You have his righteousness. That the, You know why you're, as I mentioned, a son of God, a child of God. You could go on and on and on. There are so many different things that are imputed unto us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the same way in which we are adopted into his family and become a child of God, we become the elect. And it's by faith. I want you to go now to um, 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1, and I want to get into how foreknowledge plays into this. 1 Peter chapter number 1. First Peter chapter number one, look with me at verse number two. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied so there it talks about elect according to the foreknowledge of god right what does elect mean it means chosen right elect or chosen according to the foreknowledge of god now a lot of people misunderstand what the word foreknowledge means foreknowledge does not mean that you are choosing something previously it does not mean that you have previously chose something and or or you know like the sense of foreordained. god did not foreordain anyone's individual salvation. What he did do was he foreordained the way of salvation. What he did do was he foreordained that the Christ or the Messiah would come. God did do that. Now, what what also he did was, God had, of course, foreknowledge of you. God has foreknowledge of me. God is omniscient. God knows all things. And what foreknowledge is is it or foreknowledge means is it means that he had knowledge previously before it actually took place, right? kind of like you know how the US government had foreknowledge of 9/11 before it happened no i'm just kidding but that's what foreknowledge actually means right it doesn't mean that you know you that you actually caused something to that you you know picked something let's say that that you picked something to take place prior that's not what foreknowledge means it means that you just knew about something before it actually took place that's what it means it means that you knew about it before it happened so god foreknew you that you would be alive that you would exist God foreknew Adam. And do you know what he knew? He knew that Adam was going to sin and that Adam was going to be condemned because of his sin. And do you know what he knew? He knew that Adam was going to meet, need to be redeemed. That's what he knew. I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter number 1. And I want you to look at, I believe it's verse 20. Yeah, it's verse 20. <clears throat> it says this, Who verily, it's talking about Christ, was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Now it's talking about Christ. It says that he was foreordained. Now what does ordained mean? It means chosen. You will never find a, a, you know, a verse in the Bible that just says that you yourself were foreordained just all by yourself. The Bible teaches that we were foreordained in him. And that's because he was foreordained. But you will never find, an of, you will never find a single time in the Bible where it says that you're foreordained to be saved. Never. There's nothing in the Bible. You can find verses that say that you are predestined in Him and that He was predestined, but you'll never find a verse. Now, are you starting to grasp this concept? The only thing that was chosen or foreordained was that Christ would come and be the Messiah and that He would die on the cross. And that if... And that if you put your faith in Him or if you trusted Him for your salvation, you could also through Him be the elect and be the chosen. That's why I made this statement earlier. I want you to think about this and put this in your mind for a little while. He didn't come for Himself either. He didn't come so that he, he didn't foreordain Himself just so that He could be the chosen. Everything that He did was for you. Everything that He did was for you. Now, So why did He come? Why was He foreordained to come? So that you could have the opportunity to have salvation. So that you could be chosen also in him or chosen also and be heirs, co-heirs with him. So what was the reason why he was foreordained? For your salvation. So that you might receive salvation. Now, does that mean that it's unconditional? Of course not. All that means is Christ had foreknowledge that you would need to be elected. That you would need to be chosen. So he provided someone that that he could put you in And that could cause you to be the chosen and cause you to be the elect that would give you salvation, would give you righteousness, and give you forgiveness of sins through him. So what was foreordained? Christ was foreordained. Who's the chosen? Doesn't that make perfect sense? Who actually is the chosen? Christ. Who actually is the elect? Christ. That is who the elect is. That is who the Christ is. So who is foreordained? Who is forechosen? Christ. Before the foundation of the world. And then it says this. Watch. This is important but was manifest in these last times, look at this, for you. Notice that. He was manifest for you. So he wasn't chosen for himself. He wasn't foreordained for himself. He was foreordained or chosen for you. Once you go to Ephesians chapter number one, we're going to end there. I want to walk through, I believe it's 11 verses is what it is total. Walk through the famous passage in Ephesians chapter number one, and there's also uh, Romans chapter number eight. We're not going to go there, but Ephesians chapter number one is, is the the really the most helpful passage to uh, to further your understanding on what it means to be predestined, to be elected, to be uh, you know uh, uh, ordained. Look at Ephesians chapter number one. We'll just go through verses one through eleven. It says this: Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So right there in the beginning, verse number 3, notice how he starts off. How are we blessed? In Christ. All the blessings that you receive, everything you receive is because you are in Christ. Now if you are not in Christ, you don't receive those blessings. If you are not in Christ, you're not the elect. You're not saved. You're not chosen. You don't receive these particular blessings that are heavenly. Look at uh, verse number four. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, why did Christ come? What was the reason that Christ came? For your salvation. So does God desire that all would be saved? He desires that every single person would be saved. Did Christ come for the man that did not believe on him? He did, didn't he? So I want you to think about this. Did Christ come for the man that did believe on him? He came for all of them. He died for each and every one of them, the one that did and the one that didn't. So when, when the plan was drawn up and when Christ came down, who was technically God choosing to put in him? In that sense, right? Everyone. Do you understand that? Every single person God had in that sense chosen in that, in that uh, uh, perspective or that angle. For them to be in Christ. All of them. This is, what it's saying is that it was, it was chosen bef, uh, uh, before the world for salvation. This, this was uh, before the world for salvation. This is actually also, I just thought of this as well. I forgot to point this out. According, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. What did First Peter tell you? Chapter number 1 verse 20. That he was foreordained before the foundation of the world and is manifest for us in these last times. So notice that what's foreordained is that he would come and that he would die on the cross and do all the things that could cause us to be able to be the chosen. This is how we become the chosen through God's will, through God's foreknowledge of this. We also learn uh, uh, the definition of words even more clearly here. It says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. So notice the word chosen there, right? Right? And um, we'll skip the last part there. Go to verse 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. That's a reiteration of the exact same statement. Having predestined us unto the adoption of of children by Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4 again. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the Lord. This is a reiteration of the exact same statement. Do you know what predestined means? Predestined means to choose. That's what that means. Now he chose this. You know what he did was he chose that Jesus Christ would be the elect. That Jesus Christ would be the one that would come, and by his means, he would bring us salvation. Now I lost my train of thought there. Oh, this is what I wanted to. I wanted to explain. So we can learn the word that the word predestined and chosen are equivalent to one another by comparing verse number three and verse, I'm sorry, verse number four and verse number five. But this is essentially the same word as foreordained as well. Think about what foreordained means. Predestined is the same word as foreordained. What does foreordained mean? It means to pre-choose, right? It means to pre-choose. That's what that means. For means pre or before, right? Ordained means to choose. Predestined is is being used in the exact same way. It means to choose beforehand. Now, did he choose that the individual would be saved themselves? No. No. What did he pre-choose? What did he foreordain? He foreordained that the way of salvation would be through Christ. And that if anyone would be chosen, they would be chosen through Christ. That's what he chose. It says, according as he hath chosen us, look at this, in Him. He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children, watch this, by Jesus Christ to Himself. He's not saying that He predestined each individual. What He's saying is He predestined that we That is, those that are the elect or those that are chosen would be the elect or would be the chosen by being in Christ. What was predestined or pre-planned or foreordained was that Christ would be the elect. Was that Christ would be the chosen and that He would come. And that the way of salvation would be through Him. Look at verse number 5. Or verse number 6, I'm sorry. To the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. So why is the praise of the glory, the, to the praise of the glory of His grace, and then it says this, wherein He hath made us accepted in the, into the Beloved. Why is He receiving the grace and He receiving you know, the praise? I'm sorry, He receiving the praise. Because He extended, extended to us this grace, this plan of salvation wherein we would be put in Christ and that we would be elected through Him. Look at verse 7 now in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Wherein, look at this, He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. So notice that his will it's speaking of here, right? His will which he hath purposed in himself. What did he purpose in himself? Is it speaking about an individual? No, the whole... Verses, verses uh, uh, 6 through 8 are discussing... The means by which we receive salvation. And it's in Him, it says, in whom we receive redemption through His blood, right? In Him, we, receive, we become adopted through this. It's talking about the foreordaining of Christ. It's talking about being elected through Christ. So what is this? What was foreordained? The way of salvation or His purpose of salvation, His will of salvation. Look at verse 10. "...that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ." So notice again that that it's everyone is in Christ. Everyone that has received salvation or that is chosen is chosen in Christ. That it's all through Christ. It says, uh, gather together in one all things, I'm sorry, uh, in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth... Even in him. Verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. So we obtained an inheritance in Christ. Being predestinated. So this inheritance was predestinated. Not you, yourself. That's the point that everybody misses. The inheritance. The fact that you could become an inheritor. The fact that you could become the elect. Or the fact that you could become the chosen. Was predestined not that you are not that you yourself are the chosen or you yourself are the elect and that he predestined that you are the elect No, that you the inheritance was predestined so it says in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined watch this according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will notice the word purpose again the purpose of him. So, what is being predestined again? It's being repeated over and over again. His purpose. His will. What is predestined is the, is the plan of salvation, my friend. What is being predestined is that Christ was foreordained and that he was going to come down and that he was going to die on the cross for the sins of the whole world. And that all that you had to do was put your faith in him. And if you did trust in him, like it talked about in 1 Peter 2, if you do put your faith in him, you also become the elect. You also become the chosen. And that was what was chosen. That was what was foreordained. The path and the way in which that you could obtain these things. That's why it tells you that through him you can obtain. It says, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance so in him we obtained this inheritance being predestined so you know what was predestined is how we would obtain the inheritance you know what it was it was according to the purpose of his will that's what was predestined so people get hung up on these words you know predestined chosen elect what does it mean to be elect what does it mean to be chosen well even and I don't even know how people are so confused uh, uh, about this Because modern day, even people that are elected, if you think about officials, right, to some position, it could be political or, you know, otherwise, uh, when someone is elected to a position, there are always qualifications. There are always conditions to these things. I mean, I can't think of of, of a single example. There may be uh, some examples, but every time someone is, is an elect or chosen or elected to a position, there's always conditions, aren't there? Just like in the Bible, there is a condition. If, if thou shalt, right? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, right? If you confess, then you put your faith in Christ. That is the condition. Then you can become the elect. Then you can become the chosen. So, the elect or chosen, these words, people get hung up on these, but that doesn't make them, you know, uh, um, uh, unconditional. The word elect or the word chosen, there is a condition. And what was predestined? What was chosen? Christ was predestined. What does predestined mean according to Ephesians 1? Chosen. That's what it means. It means elected. Christ was elected. Christ was chosen. Christ was foreordained. Now, why did he come? He came for you. So, yes, you were, those that are saved were foreordained in him in the sense that not them personally but that the saved would be in him. That's what was chosen. The method or the way in which, or the means in which that he would bring salvation to us and, 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 and bring us unto himself, that is how we were chosen. That is how we were elect. It's not, you know, based upon just God's sovereign will, like people will say. And it has nothing to do with, you know, anything about your character. It has nothing to do with anything that you do and there's no conditions. It's totally and absolutely ridiculous. So we need to understand what the words chosen, what the words elect mean, what the words predestinated mean or predestined and things like this. And we need to be able to give an answer to people. What was predestined? That Christ would come and that he would provide the way of salvation and that he would be the chosen and that he would be the elect and that anyone that had faith and put their faith in him, that they would also be elect through him. They would also be chosen him. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for everything that you've done for us. We thank you for uh, giving us you know, an opportunity to be uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 saved and, and elect and chosen uh, with you, dear God. Uh, we ask you that you would uh, give us understanding of your word, that you would help us to love your word, that we would study it, that we would grow in knowledge and, and uh, grace, dear God. We ask you to bless our church, be with everybody that's here Uh, Be with the Bops family. Uh, We ask you to also be with the Hall family. Be with Brother Rick at his back. Uh, Be with the Faulkners going through this time. Be with everybody that's having any sort of ailment or anything that's going on in their life. We ask you that you'd be with them. We love you so much. As I said, in Jesus Christ's name, amen.